Hey, this is Todd and Julie Mullen, senior pastors here at Christ Fellowship Church in South Florida. Whether you're across the street or across the world, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy week to join for this message. We hope that it encourages you and inspires you to get more out of life. Well, we are wrapping up our series today entitled Joy to the World, hashtag what about me? Right, glad the world's getting joy. We're singing songs about joy. We're talking about God bringing good news, a great joy to all the people, but some of the people ain't got no joy. Some of us are still looking for joy, right? And maybe you've got a situation going on in your life that has sucked the joy out of it. Maybe a problem that you're facing. Could be an issue in your family. It could be a doctor's report. Could be all sorts of things. Could be that um, by now you thought things would have been different. By now maybe you thought that you would have been married or you would have had kids, or by now your career would be at a different place, and sometimes we can wait around expecting joy to show up because we're waiting for something to bring us some joy. Yeah, and that word waiting is the one word that would actually most accurately describe and, and define the setup to the Christmas story, right? You know, throughout the entire Old Testament, they were waiting for the Savior of the world to arrive. The Jewish people were waiting for the Messiah that had been promised. This would be a fulfillment of a promise that God had made to them. And all throughout the Old Testament, God would speak through the prophets like Isaiah and Jeremiah to let them know that the Messiah was on the way. But at this, this point in history, um, we see that, that it had been 400 years since God had spoken to a prophet. 400 years of silence. And so many people had lost hope that the Messiah would ever come, but there, there was a remnant that, that kept looking and kept waiting, right, that, that today might be the day. And then finally, it was on this day that the silence was broken. And this, this sets up our story in Luke chapter one. It says this, that in the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife, Elizabeth, was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and all the decrees blamelessly. Think about that. They, they followed every law to the letter of the law, living their lives blamelessly, but they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive and they were both very old. And even though they had done everything right, something was wrong. You know, in this culture, for, for a woman not to be able to conceive a child would have been disgrace, and, and people would have thought that she had done something to deserve it. But they still stayed faithful every day, looking and waiting and showing up, living blamelessly. They lived their life blamelessly before God, and, and this is what happened. You know, this is how they were rewarded, by an unanswered prayer and, and by silence. And maybe, maybe you've felt that way before. Maybe you feel like you've done everything right and it seems like things are still going wrong. Well, thankfully that wasn't the end of Zechariah and Elizabeth's story and it's not the end of yours either. That's right, he goes on to say in verse eight, once when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot or by chance, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord, to go into a holy place. So get this, out of thousands and thousands of priests, 
Zechariah was chosen. This was like a once in a lifetime, it might happen opportunity to go in and bring an offering before the Lord. And so this is what it says when he's in there in verse 11, when he's there, an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was gripped, startled, gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, don't be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son and you are to call him John. Now this would be John the Baptist. A little side note here. When the angel says your prayer has been heard, I can guarantee you it had been a while since Zechariah had prayed that prayer. Because he was about 90 and his wife was about 88 years old. So I'm guessing they had stopped praying that prayer, if you know what I'm saying. But still, your prayers are being offered up before God. I believe that's an encouragement to don't stop praying. You've been praying for something for a long time, and God is still working even when we can't see it. And so the angel says, your prayers have been heard. And John, in verse 14, he said, will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. And he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. And Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? For I am an old man and my wife is, look how he said it, well along in, he didn't call her old, which was smart right there. That was a wise man right there. He's, she's well along in years. Um, so think about this. At the end there, Zechariah asked, how can I be sure of this? Like, like I, I need a sign. And Gabriel, the angel, had to be standing there in front of him going, Hello? I'm right here, an angel sent from God standing right in front. What, what more of a sign, what proof do you need? Right. And so the angel responds to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. I've been sent to speak to you to tell you this good news. And now you're gonna be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. Yeah, I love this. You know, at first glance, when you read this passage, it could be easy to think that, that Zachariah was punished by Gabriel because of his lack of faith, that, that, that Gabriel was punishing him some way by making him be silent. But if you look a little bit closer, you know, if God had wanted to punish him, then he would have withdrawn the offer. He would have said, oh, I'm gonna move on to the next guy. You're not getting the gift of a son. But, but this, what, what could have been viewed as punishment was actually what he had prayed for. He asked Gabriel for a sign and he got it. The, the, his silence was actually a proof of God's promise, right? It was, it was the proof of God's power. Every day when, when he couldn't speak, it was actually an opportunity to listen. This, this season was actually a preparation for, for the promise that God had for them. And sometimes we can see God's, what God's power as, we can see as a, what we see as a punishment is actually a proof of his power and his presence. You know, some of you students and college students, you, know, you may think that that breakup, right, that left you brokenhearted is some kind of punishment. It's actually God protecting you. He doesn't want you to miss out on his best for you. Sometimes we can view that job loss or those financial struggles as some kind of punishment, but it's actually this invitation into his presence to, to draw close to him and, and to, to let him provide for you, to call you into a dependence on him maybe that you've never experienced before. It's, it's this opportunity to build your faith. What we see as a punishment many times is our preparation for the promise that God has made for us. And he doesn't, he doesn't ever promise these answers on demand, 
but he does promise his power and his presence. I love this scripture in Isaiah 45, three. It says that I, God is speaking here, I will give you treasures in the darkness. I will do this so that you will know that I am God. I love that passage. I'll give you treasures in the darkness, the dark times that we all have to go through. God says in those dark places, that's where I'm gonna give you a treasure. There's gonna be something that you're gonna be able to take with you out of that dark place that's actually gonna bring life to you. See, we, we want a quick fix, don't we? We just want God to fix the problem. Like, you just, you know, get me that new job, heal my kid, fix my spouse, just do it fast, right? But God actually loves us too much. He loves you too much to short circuit your character development and your spiritual growth that comes sometimes in those dark times that actually cause us to hold on tighter and draw closer to him. Because see, he, he doesn't want you just to, to get through it. He wants you to grow through it. He, 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 so many times I have been so focused on just trying to get through that I miss what God is trying to do inside of me because I'm just trying to move past it. So if you're in the middle of waiting for something, if you're uh, in the middle of a, of, a, of a prayer that seems like it hasn't answered quite yet, don't let the delay distract you from what God wants to do inside of you. Instead of saying when, just say, God, teach me, show me what you want to show me. Don't waste the wait. Yeah, you know, we told you in week one that, that joy is available, but it's not automatic. And sometimes you have to look for the wealth in the waiting times, right? Sometimes you have to look for the wealth in those waiting times because God wants to give you something there that is going to outlast the season that you're in. And, and we see this in the story of Elizabeth and Zachariah. They got so much more yes. than what they had prayed for. See, they had prayed for a baby and they, they, they did receive a child, but they actually got so much more. They became part of a greater story, part of the greater story that, that was unfolding on the earth about, about God bringing redemption to mankind because their story actually connects to what happens next in the story. When Gabriel makes another house visit, and this time when he, he makes a home visit, he visits a teenage girl named Mary, and he tells her that God has chosen her to carry the hope of the world into the world. And even though Mary has no idea how this is going to happen because she was a virgin, she had never been with a man, she was confused, she didn't have all the answers, but she said yes to God's plan, even though she knew that it could cost her something. This joy was gonna be costly. And so, so she, she knew that there were, her reputation was at stake. She knew that, that were there were gonna be some relationships at stake. And when she did not know what to do, she knew where to go. It tells you in the very next verse, in verse 39, that after she got the word from Gabriel, it says that Mary hurried to the hill country of Judea to a town where Zechariah lived. This was the home of Zechariah and Elizabeth. She knew where to go because Elizabeth happened to be Mary's cousin. And when, when, she, when she started that journey, it was gonna be a seven-day journey. Think about it. A teenage girl walking through the, the hot desert wilderness. It took seven days on rough terrain to make this journey, which tells us that it's not always gonna be convenient to get to the place wow. where God's gonna meet you. Yep. It's not always gonna be convenient to make the journey to yep. get to the place where God's gonna speak to you. Yep. But she made the journey, right? She, 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 she made the journey and, and all along the way, you, it, it, there are no recorded words 
from the time that the angel left her until the time that, that she showed up at Elizabeth's house. No recorded words, just silence. But you can imagine there were probably words of doubt and confusion screaming in Mary's ears. She probably thought, you know, what are they going to think of me? She couldn't even text ahead to let him know she was on her way and yeah. soften the blow a little bit, right? So she, they, they, she didn't know how they were gonna respond. They're, they're priests. These are godly people. Are they going to accept a pregnant teenager and believe that God had actually spoken to her? But all of those fears were alleviated as soon as she got to the home of Elizabeth and Zechariah. It says in verse 40 that she entered the house and greeted Elizabeth, and at the sound of Mary's greeting, Elizabeth's child leaped within her, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And Elizabeth gave a glad cry and exclaimed to Mary, God has blessed you above all women, and your child is blessed. Why am I so honored that the mother of my Lord which visit me. When I heard your greeting, the baby in my womb jumped for joy. You are blessed because you believed that the Lord would do what he said. Now think about this. I've read this many times and it just hit me in the last couple weeks. Elizabeth just heard Mary's greeting. That's all. Mary walks in the house, she's like, hey cuz, where are you at? Right? That's all, that's, that's all she got. And instantly the Baby inside of Elizabeth, who is John the Baptist, the forerunner of Jesus, leaps in her womb, filled with the Holy Spirit, because the angel said, be filled with the Holy Spirit before he was born. Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit, and she begins to prophesy over Mary. Before Mary could tell her anything, before Mary could tell her what the angel said, or what was gonna happen, or what this baby, that she was even pregnant. Before Mary could say a word, Elizabeth, filled with the Holy Spirit, begins to tell Mary a word. She begins to prophetically declare over her, you are blessed, you are blessed above all women, you are, you are carrying the, 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 you are the mother of the Lord, our Savior, Jesus Christ, and you are blessed because you believed. And those words, she's like, I didn't tell you nothing. Those words had to such build her faith and build her courage and let her step into her calling and her destiny because after those words were spoken over her, she goes from silence to singing. Mary breaks out into a song. I haven't heard a word from her now. She's like, woo, right? She, she goes from worrying to worshiping all because of the anointed words that were spoken over her because that's what anointed words will do. Yeah, the words that we speak over other people in their waiting seasons, in their confusing seasons, they are weighty words. And these, these words that Elizabeth spoke, they weren't just um, ordinary words. They were anointed words. They, were, they weren't just nice or positive or encouraging words. They were anointed words, and there's a difference, right? You know, they say that the average person speaks about 20,000 words a day. And some of you are way above average. I think I might be a little above average, right? 20,000 words a day. And I just have to ask myself a question. How many of the words that I have spoken today are, are anointed words that echo God's voice over people's lives? You know, at the beginning of the story, we read that Zechariah was a priest and that Elizabeth was also actually a descendant of Aaron. That means she came from the priestly prophetic line. And it was customary that when a priest was instated that they would be anointed with oil, Anno like actually just doused with oil, with olive oil. And this oil represented God's spirit. It meant that, that they were consecrated, that they were set apart for a divine purpose. And the oil, the olive oil, actually was a special oil because it represented God's spirit, but also it also had healing qualities. 
It was the same oil that was used to, to light lamps, to, to drive out darkness, the light that would, the oil that would bring light into the darkness. It was the same oil that, that had healing properties that, that would bring healing. It, it was used to make ointment, to smooth over rough places. And you know what I love about this is that even though Elizabeth was not recognized in her culture as a prophet or a priest, as soon as she encountered Jesus, Jesus recognized her. Jesus recognized her. And, and she was filled with the Holy Spirit. It says that Elizabeth was filled with the Spirit as soon as she declared who he was. And she began to speak these prophetic words. And these words changed everything, that you're blessed, that your son's blessed. She, she blessed Mary for, for being obedient. She confirmed that, yes, you did hear from God. Yes, you are the one that God has chosen. And you know, when, when we are in a season of confusion, when, we're, when we need answers to the questions that we have, when, we're, when we need direction, or we've been disappointed, it's so important that we get into a place yep. where not just positive words can be yeah. spoken over us, but that we get into the place where there are gonna be anointed words spoken over us. That's right, you, you've gotta get there. You've gotta go to that place where people can prophetically declare God's word over your life. You're in one of those places today, by the way, right? Because anointed words don't just happen everywhere. You might get encouraging words, but that's different, like Julie said. Like, we're going back to the gym now, getting back in the gym, and I get some encouragement at the gym. The trainer's going, you got this, right? Looking good, Todd, lift, right? That's, that's not anointed, that's encouraging, that's good. You might go to work or school this week and a teacher's gonna say, or a boss is gonna say, hey, Good job, well done. Those are encouraging words, but there's a difference between encouraging words and anointing words. You've gotta to get to where the anointing words are gonna flow. Notice again what it says in verse 39, when Mary, as soon as she got the word from angel, it says, Mary, what is that? Say it out loud, hurried to the hill country. She didn't hang out, she hurried to the hill country. She could not stay in a low place. She had to get to a different place. She could not stay where she was. And this is so important because if you're gonna experience the joy that we're talking about and the life that God wants to give you, it means you're gonna to have to get to the hill country. She had to, she had to leave the place where she uh, would be misunderstood. She had to leave the place where faith was gonna be sucked from her and actually nobody around her was going to understand what God was doing in her. So she had to get to a, a different place. That place that place that would stir her faith, that place that would cause her to look up to God and believe God for the word. So she hurried to a different place. She hurried to the hill country. And can I tell you, for some of you today, that is the word of the Lord for you. You need to get out of the place you're in that's dragging you down and holding you back from everything God has created you to be, and you gotta hurry to the hill country. Don't lollygag to the, don't waltz to the, get, hurry, get on the mark and get to it because there, there are places that you're in right now that's keeping you from being who God created you to be. Mary had to get from there to here, so she put herself in a place where anointed words would be prophesied over her life, and it spoke courage, I believe, into her calling. It spoke courage, it spoke strength, right? I, I don't know about you, but most of us here could probably agree that, um, that our lives have been marked by anointed words. Yeah, yeah. You know, there have been anointed words spoken on this platform for 40 years. And I, I, my life has been marked by them. Yeah. Words of instruction and correction that have put me on the right path. 
You know, there's been, been words like, don't give up. There's too much at stake, spoken to me by a trusted mentor when I thought that I'd made one too many mistakes and I just wasn't gonna be able to live out this call that God had on my life. Spoken words like anointed words, like come with me, come with me, spoken by my sister as a teenager when she invited me to church to the hill country for the very first time, right? Those were anointed words. Words of invitation can be anointed words spoken over people's lives. Because when we invite people into the place where the word of God can be spoken over them, where they can be encouraged, strengthened, and find the Jesus that they're looking for, those are anointed words. See, our anointed words can change, change someone's destination, our invitation can change someone's eternal destination. Because here's the deal, is so many people out there, they have no idea how to get to the hill country. Yeah. They have no idea where Elizabeth and Zachariah are. They have yeah. no idea how they're going to find their way. And they're wandering around, and yet you have been positioned in their lives to speak the anointed words of, come with me. Yeah. Because when you invite them to a Christmas service like it's coming up just next week, it's, it's not just to, ha to have a great party and sing a few carols and light the Christmas candle. It's so that they can experience the light and the hope that God came to bring into their lives. It's so that they can experience the joy that we're talking about, the joy of salvation. Anointed words are invitation. They don't happen just yeah. everywhere. And uh, we want this place to be that place. We want this place to be the hill country. Every Sunday when we open up the doors, right? And for students, every Wednesday night and young adults, every, every Tuesday and Celebrate Recovery every Tuesday, that the doors are opened up to the, the hill country, a place where the truth of God is echoed over your life. A, a place where anointed words are gonna give you direction so you can step into your destiny and your calling. A place where the truth of God quiets the lies of the world. And just like Mary, I believe that when you get into those places where the prophetic and anointed words are declared over your life, it's gonna put a song in your heart. Your situation may not change, right? You might, write, you might get a, a melody right in the middle of the mess you're still working through, a little bit of hope, even though you're still struggling with some heartbreak. See, we want our place, we want this church to be a joy-filled song, singing, courage, giving, gathering of prophetic people that are echoing and declaring God's word over every person that walks in this door, no matter what they're walking through or walking out of, in Jesus' name, amen? And that's not just so that we can feel good, right. and it's not really just for you, but so that you and I can carry it out of here. Because the truth is we are all called to be an Elizabeth to somebody. Right. You are called yep. to prophetically declare anointed words over people in your family, at your workplace, in your friend group, at school. There are people, there are, there are Marys waiting for you and me to get to them this week. Yeah. You are anointed. Yep. You are anointed for this and you may be like Elizabeth and not recognize it in yourself, right? You may think, me, anointed? And it sounds like a mystical word, but it's really not. It's a very common word all throughout scripture, but it's a weighty word. You know, in, in biblical history, it carried this weight. And, and the definition of, of anointing just means that, that you have the favor of God on your life. Right. And you have the favor of God on your life. It means that you have been set apart for a divine purpose. And can I tell you, you have been set apart for a divine purpose. You have a divine calling on your life. And, and when we see this word anointing, this is you. 
And when prophets and priests and kings, before Jesus came, when they were anointed, right, they, they were anointed for the divine purpose to be a portal of his presence, of his power, and of his word to the people of the world. And so when Jesus came, the Messiah, and by the way, that word Messiah actually means anointed one. When the anointed one came to the earth, it says in this messianic prophecy in Isaiah 61, it says that the spirit of the Lord, Jesus, is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news. And that same spirit that was on Jesus is now in you when you follow Christ. It says in, in, in 1 Peter 2.9 that, that you are a priest. It says in 1 John 2.20 that, that you have been anointed by the Holy One. In Isaiah 61, it goes on to say that, that he's going to give you, give you and me a crown of beauty instead of ashes, this oil of joy instead of mourning. This oil of joy is his spirit and the joy that he gives us should be contagious, yes. right? It should overflow to the people all around us. And when you think about it, think about when Mary was at her most vulnerable place, getting ready to take on the greatest assignment that had ever been given to a human in the history of the world. Elizabeth, Elizabeth did something for Mary that even an angel could not do. Think about it. Elizabeth did something for Mary that, that an angel sent from heaven could not do. She gave, him, she gave Mary an impartation of confidence in her calling. She, she gave her the joy of knowing that, that there's someone here, right? That I am with you. I, I believe every word that you said. She gave her the gift of this presence and this spoke strength into her calling. And so this is what the privilege that we have to be able to speak and to, to give joy, declare joy in people's lives that need it so desperately. But if we're going to actually experience the full measure of this joy that Jesus came to bring, it means that we have to release what we have received. We have, to, we have to release the joy that we've received into the lives of the people around us. So this is our challenge, is that first, that, that we as God's people, that first we would receive that full measure of joy. And for some of you here, and if you've never stepped to, into a relationship with Jesus, that's where it begins. You're not gonna find this kind of joy wrapped up in any present that you've asked for for Christmas. It's not gonna come from going to all the Christmas parties or participating in the festivities. It's actually found in a relationship with him and finding your purpose in him. And some of you here, you've, you actually already have a relationship with Jesus, but somewhere along the way, that joy, your joy has, has just been drained from you. It might've been that someone or something disappointed you. Or maybe you've been in a, a season where, where you have been waiting for God to show up and it just seems like he hasn't answered your prayer. Maybe a season of grief. I don't know what, what you're walking through, but I really believe that, that God wants to restore and renew joy today. Yeah, so we are, our challenge is that you would receive it and then you would release it because you can't give away something you don't, you don't have. So my question is, what are you releasing from your life right now? What's flowing out of your life? Is it aggravation? A little bit of frustration? A little irritation as you're driving around in this traffic? Help us, Jesus. I promise you, if that's what's flowing out of your life, that's getting on the people around you, what if we flipped the script? And we said, no, no, no. 
I'm going to let joy flow from my life. I'm going to let anointed words over my children and over my friends and over my spouse and over my coworkers. I'm going to let those prophetic anointed words flow from my life. What if, what if, what if you went out this week and you said, I'm going to help people who a lot like Mary are overwhelmed. Mary was overwhelmed. And it was Elizabeth's words that changed everything for her. There are people overwhelmed every day in your life and God's gonna use you to speak prophetic words over their lives. Imagine what would be released in our communities if we do that. And one of the easiest ways Julie brought up is just give a word of invitation. Hey, come, come with me. Come with me to come with me to, to church next week. You're invited to come and see this love that, that God so loved the world that He gave. You think Christmas is about this? Let me tell you what it's about. Those prophetic anointed words, as you just hand out a little invitation and say, "Come with me," can change someone's life forever. So we want to pray two prayers for us today. My first prayer is that we would all receive and release, that we would, we would be carriers of joy, we carriers of these anointed words over people's lives, and that we'd receive it. And if maybe you've walked through something where your joy has been drained out of you, that you would experience the fullness of the joy that only Jesus can give. And the second prayer is gonna be for those of you that need to get your relationship with Jesus right. There's no better time than at this time of Christmas, the whole reason Jesus came than to turn your life over to him. And so maybe you've had a relationship, but you've walked away from that and you've been invested in that and you need to restart that relationship with him. You need to come back to him. Or maybe you've never known it could be a relationship. That second prayer is gonna be for you. Let me pray for us. Father God, I wanna thank you for your word that teaches us uh, what we need to know and see and how we need to change our thinking. And Lord, I pray that even today we would be reminded that you have given us everything that we need in Jesus. And the fullness of joy and peace is found in him. And I pray that every person here, God, we wouldn't let anything from this world take away the joy that you've given us. And then, Lord, I pray that we would also carry it to the people in our lives. Help us to look for the Marys that you place in our lives this week that need the joy that we've received from you. As we continue to pray with every head bowed, if you're here today and you would say, um, Todd, I need to get my relationship with God right. It's not where it needs to be. Or maybe you've never really had a true relationship with him. Can I tell you, that's the starting point for you experiencing the joy and the life and the peace that we're talking about. And if you would say, Todd, include me in this second prayer, right where you're seated, would you just raise your hand up? That's it, just hold up high. I wanna see it all across the room, even up on the back and the sides, yeah. Because you're saying, I want everything Jesus has for me, everything he came to give me. We're all gonna pray this prayer out loud, but those of you with your hands up, just keep your hands up as you make this prayer between you and the Lord. Just say this after me. Say, dear Lord Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me of all my sins. Make me a new person. Fill me with your joy. Give me your peace so I can share it with others. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Come on, help me thank God today for all those that made that decision. Thank you again for spending time with us today. If you're looking to take a step in discovering the more that God has in store for you, just text the word podcast to the number 441-441 and select the option that applies to you. And if you enjoyed this message, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. A special thanks to those of you who generously give to all that God is calling us to do together. It's because of you that everything that we do is possible. We'll see you right back here for next week's message.